right, everybody. Good morning. Come on, aren't you glad to be at church today? Uh, God, I'm glad you're here. First Sunday of the year. Happy birthday, Cultivate Church. 12 years, y'all. We, we made it. You know, there, for, for, for the first 11 years, I, every single Sunday, I'm like, I hope somebody comes to church. <laughs> I don't know if you ever get, but you're here, you made it. Some of you know this, some of you don't. Uh, we are a one church, two locations. Uh, there's a couple hundred people right now meeting in Columbiana, uh, just a little stretch through the woods over there. And uh, they turned six years old today. Uh, and man, it's just incredible. What God's doing through the life of our church, I'm so glad you're a part of it. Uh, go ahead and pull your notes out uh, in your worship guide. I would encourage you to write some things down. We say it all the time. You're going to remember 80% of the things you write down, um, and I hope you write down the good stuff, okay? I believe God will speak to you today uh, if you listen. We're kicking off a brand new series called First Things First. For those of you that don't know me, my name's Brandon. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here um, uh, at Cultivate Church, and it's an honor that we get to kick off the brand new year together. Uh, our theme verse is Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Of all the things that we could be doing this year, right? I believe that most of us, in some way, form, or fashion, whether or not we are resolutionists or not, right? We got some New Year's resolution folks. Any resolution fans in here? Raise your hand. Come on, you can raise your hand. I'm, I see you. I'm, I'm one of them. I do the same. Uh, no resolutions. I hate resolutions. Uh, anybody? Come on, anybody? Some of y'all? Everybody? Yep, some of y'all. Uh, who's indifferent? I don't even care, right? Uh, a lot of y'all are not even different. Uh, here's what I know to be true. Whatever you call it, I know we just split a bunch of hairs on what we like to call it. All those of us that hate resolutions, we're still evaluating, right? We're still making plans. We're still doing all the stuff that everybody else does. You, you, know, you know why you hate resolutions? Because we break them all the time. And so I'm just not even going to call it that. But I'm still going to make plans, right? We all still evaluate our careers, our schedules, our relationships, our finances, our homes, our calendars. All the things that need to change, some of the things that I don't want to change, right? We look at it, and we lay it all out, and we go, what's going to change this year? Um, as if the click of a calendar makes all the difference. Um, it doesn't, right? We know the click of a calendar doesn't make any difference, but what I love about it is it does do something psychologically for us. It does give us this boost that we need to make changes. Most of us get through the end of the year and we're like, all right, as soon as January 1 rolls around, I'm doing something. Good. That's a great thing. There's nothing wrong with that mindset, right? All of us need to make some changes. I say it this way uh, in my life and with my family. I say it to my kids all the time. Hey, little tweaks lead to high peaks. So what's some changes? What's some tweaks? What's some things that we can begin to do? And so this year, we're kicking off uh, January, the 2024, with a series called First Things First. Of all the things that need to change, let's get them in priority. Jesus said it this way in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. He said, seek the kingdom above all else. All means all. Everybody say all. One, two, three. All. It means all. Uh, it's an interesting word in the Greek, right? In any other language. Y'all know what it means? All. There's no other translation. There's no other way you can say it. It just means all above everything else in your life. Seek the kingdom of God and live righteously. And he will give you everything you need. One translation says, seek the kingdom of God above all else and his righteousness. Uh, and you'll, he'll give you everything that you need. Jesus uses, there's a famous 
passage of scripture. It's the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5 and 6 uh, is this probably the most, uh, most read, most quoted, most taught about passage of scripture uh, in all of the Bible. It's the most famous sermon ever given. It's Jesus, the Sermon on the Mount. And did you know, most, the vast majority of the Sermon on the Mount is spent, he spends most of his time teaching through how we should and, and could potentially live our lives in a way that honors Jesus. In other words, it's what I do, not necessarily just what I say, that makes all the difference. And so as we're entering into the new year, uh, first Sunday of the year, congratulations, y'all. You're batting 1,000 attendance at church. You know what I mean? Give yourselves a pat on the back. We're in, right? We're, we're, we're doing well. Uh, we kick off 21 days of prayer and fasting today. Some of y'all are like, I chose today. To come to church. 21 days of prayer and fasting. Uh, I've spoken to a handful of you uh, before church today, and uh, there's a lot of folks that are doing this for the first time in their life. Congratulations. Come on, give them a big hand, everybody. Like you're, you're doing something new. Uh, we're, we're fasting. Somebody said, I'm fasting. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm just going to, I'm just doing nothing but Sour Patch Kids for 21 days. All right, I don't know that it's going to turn out like you hoped it would. Uh, if that's what you're doing, right? Uh, but what is fasting? We like to make it so super spiritual, and it's not. Let, let me tell you what fasting is why, for us in our context. For us, when we, when we commit to 21 days of prayer and fasting as a church, corporately, one, we get to do it together. We're doing it with people. That's great. We're, we're in a community doing it together. But we're simply turning down the voice of culture, and we're turning up the voice of Jesus. That's all it is. And so I would encourage you, let's not get so legalistic about it. Uh, it's not necessarily what you're fasting, it's the heart behind it, right? Uh, and so uh, I would focus uh, this 21 days, let's focus less on the thing that I'm fasting and most on the voice that I'm turning up. The volume of Jesus, the volume of uh, God's word speaking to me, 21 days. So whatever that looks like, some of you going to fast some food, uh, some of you, you know, I would, I would say, those of us, that this is, hey, this is the first fast I've ever taken, let's not dive in. Brandon Doss' philosophy is, I'm going on a, I'm not doing 21 days, I'm going to do a 40-day water fast. It's first time ever. I would encourage you, don't do that, okay? All right. <laughs> You're, you're setting yourself up for failure. Start small, right? Give yourself some attainable goals. Uh, some of us are fasting social media. That's a great uh, thing, I think, uh, for you to fast. If it's uh, certain kinds of food, maybe you're doing like a sun up to sundown fast, and you're going to fast during the day. Or maybe today, you're going to like this week, you're going to fast one day a week or uh, lunch every day. Whatever it looks like. It's not about the what. It's about the why and the who. Okay, and some of you uh, are going to take time this this year. You've already many of you have di uh, have already jumped in with us on a Bible reading plan. You said, "Man, I'm going to read the Word this year." I would say I'm, I'm so encouraged as your pastor because um, this year really. More than any other year, I've seen more people excited about getting into the Word of God just in our local church. So many people jumping in on a one-year Bible plan with us or, uh, you know, there's another one that you can join uh, that you can be a part of. And you're in it with people in our church and you can see devotions from people and things that, they're, that God is speaking to them. If you would like to do that, you can still jump in. It's, uh, you can go to the church app or, or cultivatechurch.tv uh, under the 21-day prayer and fasting guide. 
God, and there's literally there's two links right there that you can click and jump right in. You'll need the YouVersion Bible app. You can download that, and you can jump right into community and reading the Bible together, okay? Now, this is another thing that many people start, and you allow yourself just to get like, um, you get defeated because, you know, like all of us, we get about a month and a half in, we get to Leviticus, and y'all, it's hard, okay? Leviticus is hard. All right, I'm, t- I'm your pastor. I've, I've read it a whole lot. It's hard. It's hard to get through Leviticus, okay? And most of us get into Leviticus, and we don't do it, and then we feel guilty. And we, uh, if you're like me, you get, about, you get to uh, you know, New Year's, and you get to the end of the year, and you open that YouVersion Bible app for the first time in six months, and it says you're 287 days behind, right? And, uh, and then you just start clicking, done, 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 done. Don't tell me you ain't done it. I know you. We've all done it. Right? We've all done it because you want to feel accomplished. Here's my philosophy on that. Let's say you start this week and you get five months in and you quit and you didn't make it. And you feel bad at the end of the year. Man, I'm going to try harder next time. That's five months of God's word that you got in your spirit. All right? Say you get six weeks in. That's six weeks of God's word that made it in you. Okay? So just give it a shot. Start somewhere. Give yourself something attainable. Maybe you're going to read through Proverbs this year. You're going to read a proverb a day for every month. That's good. It's God's word in you. So just start somewhere. I'm proud of you for getting it going. Okay? Uh, 21 days. The end of this month, uh, the last Sunday night of this month, we're going to join together both campuses. We're going to join together on a night of worship. Y'all, it is powerful. We do this quarterly, but man, this first night of worship every year is a powerful night of worship. We're bringing in people. There's, there's going to be folks coming in from all over the country uh, that we are actually ordaining, commissioning into ministry. We're going to lay hands on them that night. We're going to commission them into ministry. They're serving uh, as military chaplains and pastors and nonprofit leaders all over, uh, all over the country. Uh, and it's an honor that we get to be a part of what God's doing around the world. And it's a powerful night of worship. And I'd encourage you, go ahead and mark that on your calendar. You're not going to want to miss it, okay? All right, well, pull out your notes. Here's what we're going to dive into. This idea of new things, first things first. The title of today's message is Seek Ye First. Of all the things that we need to be changing, correcting, tweaking, I think the very most important thing is how I live my life. What am I specifically going to be doing? It's what I do, not what I say that matters. Uh, I saw an article this past week as we were preparing from the Huffington Post a couple of years ago, they averaged out the average person, uh, plus or minus some years, lives to be about 79 years old, okay? And they said over the course of 79 years, this is how most of us live our lives. And they averaged it out over 24-hour days. They said that the average person over the course of 79 years will spend 33 years in bed, sleeping. They said, actually, it's 26 years sleeping. The rest of those years are trying to sleep, (laughs) counting sheep, listening to music, trying to figure that out. 13 years. This is encouraging for some of you because you don't think it's ever going to end. 13 years, two months of work. 13 years. That's it. That's all, right? Some of us, like, we're almost there, Uh, you know? Uh, 13 years, two months of work. This one is, uh, is, is, is telling 11 years, almost as many years as we spend working, 11 years, four months scrolling on screens. The average person uh, will spend their lives. Four years, six months eating some sort of food. Uh, vacation, this one's, this one's kind of heartbreaking. Only three years, one month, and three weeks, average, the average person will spend vacating in some way. This one, is, this one gets me. Listen to this. All the years of our life, on average, a person will spend one year, four months exercising. 
Almost nothing, right? Like almost nothing. On average, let's put that in perspective. On average, six to eight times longer we spend looking at screens than we do exercising over the course of our life. One year, 30 days, the average person will spend pursuing some sort of romance. Uh, socializing. This one's hard. This one's, this one's, honestly, it's kind of heartbreaking. Socializing, the average person will only spend one year and three days in some sort of community. The average person. Which is hard because, biblically speaking, a biblical principle of life is to be in a lot, do life with people. But we spend most of our life trying to figure out how not to be around people. Uh, and we need to, but God says that, God's word says we need to be with people. This will be encouraging for teenagers in here. Uh, on the course of 79 years of your life, the average person really only spends 334 24-hour days in school. It's not forever. You think it's never going to end, really? It's really not that long, not even a full actual year spent. Getting ready. Spend our lives getting ready. They broke this down between men and women. Women spend, on average, 136 days of the course of their life uh, curling their hair. Putting makeup on, getting ready. Y'all know what guys say? 46 days. <laughs> Some of y'all women are like, I know. <laughs> Can't even get them to take a shower. <laughs> right? 46 days. This one's, this one's even more so. Y'all ready for this one? Over the course of your life, 79 years, most of you will spend, on average, 240 days on a toilet. And they say the number one statistical place that that 11 years, four months of screen time happens on a toilet. All y'all posting New Year's stuff on social media, we know where you are, right? Everybody knows where you are. That leaves, that leaves seven and a half years. If you do all the math in somebody's life, that leaves seven and a half years for commuting, Cleaning, raising a family, ball games, plays, dentist appointments, doctor visits, church, faith. They say on average, this is heartbreaking, that a person in 79 years will spend 0.7% of their life on anything to do with their faith. On average, a person will spend about 182 days in their life having anything to do with their faith. Except our faith has everything to do with the rest of our life. And so today, as we talk through, as you've been talking through, how am I going to spend my life? How's our family going to pursue life in 2024? I want to give you three filters quickly. I'm going to give you three filters that I think can make all the difference, okay? I think it'll be very, very helpful for you. So let's pray, and we'll dive into what that looks like. Father, thank you for your word. God, all of us are going to spend our life this year. If we have breath in our lungs, we're going to be doing something. And so, God, I pray uh, for our church, for Cultivate Church, um, Shelby County, God, uh, what we get to be a part of, I pray it is full of purpose, life on purpose. God, I, I pray that we pursue you and your plan and your, your goal for our life. I pray that you would get all of the honor and all of the glory, God, so that we can live our life on purpose. Let us walk out of here inspired to do just that. In Jesus' name, amen. Number one, first filter I want you to look at as we're making plans, making decisions, is am I looking at God's plan? None of this is going to be profound. It's going to be very simple things, but I think it can be profound if we walk through it. God, what's your plan? Jesus talks about all of this in Matthew chapter 6. He said this in verse 19 and through 21. He says, don't store up for yourself treasures on earth. Here on earth, where moth eats them and rust destroys them, and where thieves break in and steal. No, store your treasures in heaven. Where moth and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. He says this. It's very profound. Verse 21. You want to underline it. For wherever your treasure is, 
the desires of your heart will be also. Don't we spend so much time pursuing things in life that's just going to fade away? Most of our life is spent pursuing things that will fade. James says it this way, your life is but a vapor. It's here today, it's gone tomorrow. I heard an evangelist say years ago, Jay Strax, a famous evangelist to college students and high school students, and uh, he said, life is tissue paper thin. You absolutely never know when it's going to end. You never know what's going to happen tomorrow. And we spend this vapor of our life pursuing things that are going to fade. In 2024, as you're mapping out your year, do you find yourself longing for treasure that's going to fade with this world? Are you asking God, what's the plan? What's valuable to you? Where should I focus my life? Where should my family be focused? Where should I focus my resource? God, what's the plan? Has anybody ever asked him that? It's a cliche statement, but it's true. If you don't have a plan, you're planning to what? Fail. You know it. If you don't have a plan, you're planning to fail. I know this, that we always talk about uh, the plan that God has for our life, right? But did you know the enemy's got a plan too? He's got a plan for you. He wakes up every day with a plan to come and steal, kill, and destroy. If you don't focus on a plan, somebody's going to plan something for you. My wife and I, every year we enter into the new year asking God, what's the plan? What's the plan for our family? What's the plan for our generosity commitments? What's the plan for our even our vacation? God, what is that going to look like? How are we going to rest this year? What's the plan on how we should parent? What's the plan on how our marriage should go? We don't always get it right, and we don't have it ironed out in every detail, but we have decided over the course of our life that it is more important to, to hear from God's plan before I try to make my own. Like God's got a good plan for you and for me. We always try to leave margin in our life for God's plan. Many of us, if you look at your calendars uh, already, your calendars, our calendars are filling up before we even get a voice, before we even get a say-so in a lot of it. And so the question is, am I storing up treasures on earth or am I pursuing something greater? What is the plan? The Bible says this in Proverbs 16 and 9. It's not in your notes. You can write this reference down. It says that, that we can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. We can make our plans... It's the Lord that determines our steps. So here's my encouragement to you. You want to write this down. How can I leave margin this year for God's plan? How can I leave some margin this year for God's plan? One of the ways that I do that is I begin to, as I'm pursuing, as I'm evaluating a year, uh, at the end of every year, I go into prayer and I ask God. I ask, always ask God for a word. Has anybody done that around here? I ask God specifically for a word. God, what's your word for, for my family next year, for me personally next year? This year, God spoke to me weeks ago. It's, it's loud and bold word in my life is, is the word freedom. Uh, freedom. And I, that can mean a whole lot of things, but I'm pursuing freedom in a lot of areas in my life. That's going to help direct my decisions. It's going to help me filter. I know God's plan is freedom. I know that's what it looks like. So I'm pursuing those things as I kind of set out what things should look like. Freedom in my calendar, freedom in my, uh, my margin in my life, margin in my resources, in my finances, time with my kids. Like Brandon, make sure when you're laying out everything that there is margin for freedom. What does that look like for you? I think if you ask God for some direction, he'll give it to you. Just go into prayer and go, God, what's the plan? What are we doing here? Number two, write this one down. This one's huge. Uh, you need to filter things through God's purpose. 
I'm filtering it through his plan, and I'm going to filter it through his purpose. I love this in Matthew 6. He gives us some perspective. He says, the lamp of the body is the eye. If, therefore, your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If, therefore, the light that is in your body is darkness, how great is that darkness? He says, no one can serve two masters, for either he'll hate one and love the other, or he'll be loyal to one and despise the other. You can't serve God and mammon, it says in the New King James Version. You can't serve God's purpose and man's purpose. Here's what I've discovered over my life, that my purpose is always interpreted by my perspective. And Jesus is talking all about perspective here. The lamp of the body is the eye. What's your perspective? Well, it's your worldview. What's your worldview? It's your view of the world from where you are. That's why so many people in your life, you, you hear their worldview, you hear what they think about politically, and you hear what they think about uh, spiritually, and you go, how could somebody be so stupid? Anybody been there? Come on, y'all been there? How could somebody, how could they think that? Because you're seeing things from this perspective, and they're over here looking from this perspective. They only know what they can see. You only can see what you can see. And so when I realize it's all about perspective, I can have a little more empathy about what other people think. Because it's all about perspective. And Jesus says it, if the, if the light, what you think is light, if it's darkness, how dark is that darkness? Right? It's all about my perspective. So God, what's the purpose? Here's what's crazy. Your plan is always driven by your purpose. And if your purpose is interpreted by your perspective, right, that means if my purpose is out of line, guess what? My plans are always going to be out of alignment. And so how do I begin to get purpose in my life that honors God? You see, money is the currency of this world. That's why uh, Jesus talks about you can't serve God and mammon. The Greek word mammon literally translates to possessions or riches of this world. And so when we recognize the currency of this world, Jesus says you can't serve the currency of this world and God. Because the currency of heaven is faith. You see, <laughs> so the if the currency of this world is culture and the culture is going to point you into, into possessions and things, y'all, it's the American dream, right? Get, what all, get all you can, as fast as you can, as much as you can, so that you can grow old and pick up seashells your whole life alone, away from everybody, right? That's what Francis Chan said years ago. And that's, the hope in, uh, that's the hope of people. But God's purpose is so different than that. And am I living my life through the currency of heaven or the currency of this world? You see, possessions and riches, it represents culture's purpose. And are you, the question is, am I pursuing 2024 from the purpose of culture or the purpose of God in my life? You see, the truth is, he's tr he said it, I can't serve two purposes. You're not going to walk through 2024 serving both God's purpose and culture's purpose. You're going to be loyal to one and despise the other. So you can spend 2024 spinning your wheels, striving and digging for what culture says is valuable. Or you can shift your perspective and prioritize God's purpose in your life. I'm just telling you, you will not do both. You can't do both. If you don't know your purpose, culture will design one for you. If you don't discover God's purpose, culture is happy to, to insert its own. We've all been there. I've walked it. I've lived it. If you, don't, if you don't determine the path, if you don't set the pace, if you don't set the direction, culture will do it for you. There's a time I remember when I graduated high school. I was 13 years old when I gave my heart to the Lord. 
And uh, I remember very quickly after, after I had done that, I, I remember sitting in my, my, my bedroom one night reading God's word and, and just, just on fire for God, just wanting to live my life in a way that honored him. And, and that there's a passage of scripture in the Old Testament where Jacob prays to God and Jacob says, God, I will give you my life as long as you'll take care of everything. If you'll take care of me, I will serve you with everything, as if God didn't already do all of those things, right? And I remember praying that prayer, God, I'll do that. My life belongs to you. And I knew from an early age that God was calling me into ministry, and he was calling me to be a preacher of the gospel and a communicator of his word. I didn't know what that looked like. I didn't see vocational ministry ever. There was never an example of that in my life. Everybody in my life was all bivocational in some way, form, or fashion. I had no idea what that would look like. And so when I graduated high school, I didn't know. I I knew the direction that I should be going, but I was caught between two cultures. I was taught between two purposes. Culture's purpose of provision. Culture's purpose of getting what you have to have and making sure you can make a living and making sure you can produce produce things in life. And I got to get a college education and get a good job and have good finances because that's what everybody expects of me. But then there was this other side that was God's calling on my life that was pulling me in another direction. It looked completely different. And so I didn't know what to do. So I, I I graduated high school, and I said, well, I got to have money, so I went to technical college. I went to a, I was going to go. I was like, man, that's good money in that. I'll learn about computers, and I'll figure all that out, and we'll figure the other stuff out uh, one day. And, y'all, I made it all of a day and a half of uh, technical college. <laughs> y'all, I got in there, and I started, uh, I went to one class, and they started talking about buses and wires and hardware and uh, stuff that just over my head. I left. The class ended. I went up to my professor, and I said, thank you for your time. I'll not be back. <laughs> I can't do this. This is not for me. I went into the registrar's office the very next day, quit. It was the, wor- it was the dumbest $6,000 I've ever spent in my life. It took me a long time to pay that off. I had a 19-year-old kid. He said, he said, Mr. Doss, you're the fastest dropout in the history of our school. <laughs> I said, well, listen, it don't take me long to realize this ain't for me, right? I could have spent my whole life striving after things that didn't matter. I dropped out of technical college, went to Bible college. All of a sudden, things began to click. Things began to fall into place. Not because of my abilities, because, y'all, I'm not smart. I was a C student. Uh, I ain't going to lie. I was a D student all the way through, <laughs> all the way through uh, uh, most of uh, primary school. And all of a sudden, I began to fall in love with what God had called me to do. I never made less than an A in college, uh, when, uh, in Bible college, learning God's word, seeking God's purpose. Why? I love it because the Bible said it this way. When you begin to fall in line with God's purpose. When you begin to see God's purpose for your life, it says it this way in the Old Testament, uh, when Nehemiah was rebuilding the wall, he said, it's not going to be by my strength, not by my might, but by the Spirit of the Lord, says the Lord of hosts. When you begin to see God's purpose for your life, it ain't all going to be easy. Not saying easy, but it will kind of fall into line. You'll see some simplicity of some steps that need to happen. Am I filtering this year through God's purpose? Through his purpose. What does that look like for you? There's an easy way that we can do that here at our, at our church. We've designed a great way for you to begin to discover God's purpose for your life. It's called Roots. You can log on to cultivatechurch.tv today. In your underwear, at, at home, after church today, you can log in and learn everything there is to know about our church and even begin to discover God's purpose for your life. It's a, it's a free tool we're giving you. I would encourage you. You go, I don't even know where to begin. Begin there and just see what God begins to do in your life, okay? Last thing I'll share with you, and this one's important, especially for most of us in this room, I need to begin to filter things through God's pace. Jesus said it this way, that is why I'm telling you, don't worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink, enough clothes to wear, 
Isn't life more value, more than food and more your body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all of your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or toil or make clothing, but Solomon in all of his glory is not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God, underline this, if he cares so wonderfully about wildflowers that are here today and thrown in the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things, saying what will we eat and what will we drink and what will we wear. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all of your needs. I look at this passage, and you know what I see? I see a whole lot of striving. I see a whole lot of unnecessary digging. A whole lot of unnecessary pushing. Many of us, listen to me, many of us in this room, you're running at a pace that's just not sustainable. You're running at a pace that's just not going to make it. Your marriage is suffering. Your families are suffering. Your relationships are suffering. Your personal, uh, uh, your, your sanity is suffering. Why? Because you're running at a pace to try to catch up with something that's not even God's best for your life. Y'all, the Joneses are pretty miserable people. They can't sleep at night. They get, they get anxiety every time the bills walk in. Somebody's named Jones in here. I'm not talking about you. <laughs> right? Keeping up with the Joneses is a horrible way to live your life. It's just all the striving, all the pushing. Y'all notice in the Gospels, if you ever read it, Jesus never strived to get anywhere. He was never in a hurry to get anything. He was never in a hurry to accomplish anything. Why? Because he knew God's purpose and his plan. And he followed it. I love this passage of scripture. He says this in Matthew chapter 11. Jesus said it. It's not in your notes. You can write it as a reference. He said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. You know what he said? I'll give you rest. Oh, that's good. Take my yoke upon you. What's he saying? Take my teachings upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart and you'll find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy to bear. The burden I give you is light. Some of y'all walked in here with a heavy burden. Some of y'all been carrying a heavy burden for months, even years. And I can tell you as a follower of Jesus, if you're carrying a heavy weight, you're doing it wrong. Jesus said, the Bible says in the New Testament, hey, for us to carry one another's burdens. To do it together. Don't do life alone. Jesus gives us rest. If your pace is striving, you're doing it wrong. Run your pace, run your race at God's pace this year. This is your permission. I'm giving you permission. This is your permission to change your pace. Some of y'all need to, some of y'all need to, uh, y'all need to, y'all need to go into your group me uh, this year and y'all need to go, hey y'all, we're not playing 37 sports this year. Some of y'all need to go, hey, I'm sorry, we're not, we're not doing all these extra, we're going we're gonna to run our race at God's pace. I'm going to let you know on a secret, your kids, they can play one, they can play one sport and be happy. They can, they, can, they can play regular, they can just play uh, regular leagues and just be happy, it's okay, they can do those things. You don't have to drive the car that's strapping you financially just to try to keep up with uh, perceptions uh, of what other people might think about you. You don't have to work. You don't have to work 80 hours in a week to keep up with a lifestyle that's not God's best for you anyway. You don't have to do it. It's your permission to change. What's, what race are you running? Does it value, are you valuing what God values? Y'all, it'll make all the difference in your life this year, I promise. 
for you to go home this week and for you to draw a blank slate out in front of the Lord and say, God, what's the plan? What's the plan? Little tweaks lead to high peaks. What's some changes I need to make? I want to pray with you. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes? Listen, our band's going to come. They're going to play some music. Nothing funny or weird. All of our guests here today, I promise, nothing funny is going to happen. This is your moment with God. I would invite you to ask this question. I love to ask this when I'm preaching uh, every week because, listen, I say all kinds of stuff, but I know the Holy Spirit of God can speak to you through anything. So my, my encouragement for you is to say this, God, what would you have me to do? What do I need to do with your word today? Am I filtering my decisions through God's plan, through his purpose, through his pace? Are you running, a, are you running at a pace that's unsustainable? Do you need to slow down this year, get into community, get into small groups, plug into God's best for your life, say no to some things that aren't God's best, and begin to see God change and shift some perspective in your life? Maybe if you're here and that all begins with a brand new relationship with Jesus. Maybe if you're honest with yourself, you would be very honest. You would go, I I, I don't even know if I've actually got a relationship with Jesus. If I'm very honest with myself, I've been striving to accomplish a lot of things in my own strength and my own ability. And I'm going to be honest, it's not getting me anywhere. Well, there's good news today. I want you to know you're not here by happenstance. You're here by design today. You're here by design. You're here because... God knew that you would hear this exact phrase. He loves you more than you could ever dream or imagine. He's got a plan for your life. The Bible says God knows the plans he has for you, plans for a hope and a future. Not to harm you, but to help you. And he knew every dumb, stupid decision you would ever make in your life, past, present, and future. Me too. He knew that we have all fallen short of the glory of God. We've all sinned and we all need a Savior. So he sent us a Savior. And Jesus lived a perfect, sinless life, and he died on a cross, and he came back to life three days later, conquering death, hell, and the grave. Why did he do all of that? So that today in 2024, the first Sunday of the year, you'd be sitting in this room, and you'd have an opportunity to accept him as your Savior. So you would simply say this prayer, God, I'm sorry. Forgive me of my sin. I'm so sorry. I've been striving. I've been doing it in my own strength and my own ability. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would rescue me. Jesus, I accept you as my Savior. I believe in my heart that you died and you rose again three days later. I confess it with my mouth. Save me from myself and from from my sin. From this day forward, I declare you Lord of my life. I'm going to live my life on purpose in a way that honors you. Father, I pray for everybody else in the room. God, I pray in the name of Jesus, you would fill them with purpose. Fill them with passion to live their life on purpose. God, let us walk out of this place, God, to make a difference in our sphere of influence. God, let our sphere, God, let everywhere we go this week be an opportunity to live out the gospel and let it make a difference in somebody's life. God, if you've ever used anybody, use Cultivate Church. God, use us. Send revival to Shelby County. God, use us to make a difference in our sphere of influence. God, do what you can do in us and through us, and may you get all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.